we just thank you. Hey, uh, we're going to read this. Uh, brothers in the back, we're going to read Psalm 86 and not 89. But uh, I had a little friend that is three years old. I'll tell you later what I can, if I can if I can't tell you. But uh I got a phone call from him yesterday morning from his mother. And he had got out of bed and got his brother's gun. He shot and killed us. I thought I could tell you this peacefully, but he he was hard that he always he did he did a lot of hard things that I had to be a little angry with him at times, but most of the time I would go to his house. He would come and take my hat and cane and put it at a certain place and say, now sit down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you do things and everybody will blame his larger brother for leaving it where he can get his hands on it. But that's not the way it is. I told him, well, you know, I feel this way about it. He... He's in a better place than he was here yes. with his parents that didn't take proper care in raising him. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that you can, you can do or nothing we can do. But just be thankful that God give us the chance to do it. And it, it's, it's a matter that we need to know how we're raising our children and raising them in a peaceful way. The older brothers that had the gun, they did things they're not supposed to do. His mothers, grandmothers, none of them really truly live following God. You know, they go to church sometimes when they feel like it, but they don't follow God every day. You know, it's an everyday thing with raising children and raising ourselves. So we must have to just keep it playing keep it going forward. I wanted to give this to Brother Ryan, let him read it, because I didn't know that I would be able to do it, but he still would be a friend, and I hope that I can get my life, make sure my life is right, that when I leave this earth, we can sit down together again. So, let us pray and just, just remember that family and families that's involved in that situation. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning to be with us and to bless us. Lord, we ask you to come among us, Lord, and to deliver yourselves unto our hearts. Father, we know that we have needs, and we want you to, Lord, to answer all of them. Lord, we know that you promised if we would repent, Lord, you would, and, and, and be baptized, Lord, that you would, you would give unto us the Holy Ghost, and that's what we desire. We ask you wherever we go, whatever we do, Lord, let your love and light be shining in our hearts. Father, we ask you for the little boy and know that maybe suffer for a minute or two, but God, you've seen fit to bring him on home to you. And we ask you to bless his family and touch him, Lord, that they may see and realize the laws, Lord, that they will accept you as that person to save you. God, here we are. It's the time. Lord, later than we think, maybe. But Father, help us. I know I've lived a long life. Lord, and I ask you just to continue to be with me, Lord, that I may do all that you want that's pleasing in your sight. We ask you for the services that this morning. Lord, as we hear, let our hearts be surrendered. God, and we thank you and ask you to guide us and lead us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I thought of a thing I seen somewhere. They talk about old people. When they get old, they have to try twice as hard to do half as good. So just pray that I can get part of that done. I, I know we sometimes come in a little bit late, but we try. So we're going to keep going until we get it straight. Amen. We're going to read from Psalm 86, 1 through 17. Bow down thy knee, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give in O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and doest wondrous works. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the crowd are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. For thou, O Lord, art a God, full of compassion, and glorious, long-suffering, 
plainness and mercy and truth. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it, and be ashamed because thou, Lord, has helped me and comforted me. Amen. God bless you. May we see them. family in prayer you know when he was reading verse 15 it says O Lord art a God full of compassion gracious long-suffering plenteous in mercy and truth do you believe he's that and if God is in you are you that we have to be that we have to surrender to be that mercy and truth to one another and uh, brother Kali he Reminded me of many stories of things, you know, you don't understand why uh, events happen like that. Um, we live in an age of mental health where spirits and things attack the mind. And it's important to take time, if you feel led, to talk to another person. Just how are you feeling? You know, sometimes the default answer is, I'm good, I'm great. How are you really feeling? You know, let's, let's see what's going on in your life because we... We are supposed to be God to each other with flesh and to take time to be patient one with another. And, you know, hey, there's times where I don't know about you, but there's times where I don't want to live sometimes, you know, and the devil comes in with those thoughts and just you're not worth nothing, you know, um, and not to take too much time to be out of order. I saw this clip one time. It showed two men in their lives and they were friends and they would go to like a soccer game together. And one just wasn't very almost like he was kind of depressed and the other one was just up and cheering was active and just bubbly all the time and it continued on like that and then it went back to the game and the one that seemed kind of depressed sometime had a shirt he put in an empty chair his friend took his own life he was dealing with depression and things and but externally you didn't see that right you didn't see it so we, we, we fight spirits, we, we fight things in the unseen, uh, but we can also let the Lord use our words to sit down and, and get things out and just talk things through and say, I'm here for you, let's pray together, let's walk through this together. And that's God using you in your life, and it's important to do that, amen. So uh, Brother Michael, would you come this morning and uh, take the tithes and offering? Sing that chorus, All Hail King Jesus. No longer afraid. Oh, hell, King Jesus.
Drowned in prayer. 
say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. You a child of God. Bless you. I'm a child of God. Hey, bless you. Child of God. God bless you. I'm a child of God. God bless you. All these wonderful musicians. Oh, my word. They're good. Hey, man. <clears throat> All right. Um, real quick. Uh, Brother Ryan's made the announcements. So I need to tweak them a little bit. Brother Aaron, you'll be speaking for us Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. Okay. All right. Um, at 4 o'clock this coming Saturday at the um, venue down there, we'll be starting to take pictures. At 4, we're going to eat about 5 or so. Um, Brother Dutch Scott will be there, and he will do about a 30-minute sermon like he did last year. But Brother David Gadman will be there with us Saturday, and he will speak Sunday. Brother Dutch's niece asked him to dedicate her baby that Sunday, so they're going to go on back home, and Brother David Gadman. Brother David was supposed to preach for him while he was here. Now we just flip-flopped a little bit, and so we'll have Brother David Gadman with us one service this coming Sunday. Also remember, coming up on February the 25th, that'll be the last Sunday of this month, the second service, Brother John Durrett will be speaking to us on finances and, and weaving it into... Uh, into uh, Christianity because we're supposed to be good stewards of God's money, right? Amen. We're supposed to be good stewards of God's money, right? Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So remember that March 2nd Bible study prayer meeting starting at five o'clock Bible study starting at six uh, March the 16th. There'll be a youth service here. Brother Andrew Glover will be with us. It'll be at the start at three o'clock and then we'll have a, a meal after that. Also, he will be here that Sunday for one service and then remember the end of the month in march the easter service seven o'clock brother solomon huffman on friday brother tim cross on saturday at four we'll have a meal after that and then march 31st which is easter sunday brother tim uh, cross will be with us for one service i want to give a shout out to sister julie and sister colleen everybody i don't know if you know it or not but sister colleen fell and broke her uh, femur bone in her in her hip and they did a, a partial hip replacement yesterday. She's 90-something years old. They did a partial hip replacement. Well, anyway, they're watching online. Julie said they were watching online. So so we're praying for you, Sister Colleen. And uh, age don't mean anything to God. 
So um, we pray that that's going to heal back up because it broke in a very hard place. It broke right at the ball. Where the ball goes in, it broke it right here. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, we want to pray for that. Also remember the Ferguson family, they're friends of ours, grew up together, neighbors. Uh, we're going to be leaving here uh, soon after we get finished with the service. They have a, um, a five to eight viewing. He uh, He's a little bit younger than me. And um, he uh, was hospitalized, and then they couldn't get him back, so he, he passed away. So just remember that family. And he was a Methodist minister also, so just remember that in prayer. So I, all minds and hearts clear. Today we're going to talk about the Alpha Bride, which the Alpha Bride is what? That's the one that started on Day of Pentecost. All right? We're the Omega Bride. We're the bookends, but we're supposed to be just like they are. Remember, the last age gets all the blessings and all the curses of all the other ages. They pile up right here on, on us. So every blessing they get, what God hated there, he hates here. What God loves there, he loves here. Amen? Then we'll look at that. And I also want you to, if you want to, um, if you got a little time, I appreciate what Brother Bob had to say today. We really all need to be more fervent in what we do and move on with God and uh and put him first in everything and, and not everything else. But um, but look at the look at this church, look at the city of Ephesus. We were talking about this a little bit the other day. <clears throat> the city of Ephesus almost mirrors the city of Laodicea. So we're going to talk about that maybe next Sunday or Sunday after when we speak again. So Brother Aaron will be speaking for us Wednesday. Remember the banquet this coming weekend. Just pray for Brother Collie and his the family there, that uh, tragedy there. Um, his friend. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for the bride of Jesus Christ, for the word that you give us and that we become that word. The word has become flesh in a group of people. Father, I pray now that you would take the eye salve of the Holy Spirit as you were there in the last church age. You said, buy of me these things and use the eye salve because, Lord, sometimes uh, truly, as Brother Bob said, sometimes the world blinds us to the things that we need. But, Father, you said you'd give us ISAV, that would, we could see, Lord, what you are giving us in the end time. Lord, it's become a late hour. It's time to get out of here. Things are not going to get better in the world. They're just going to get worse. But, Lord, if, if we have a pavilion that we can run into, and, Lord, we do. You gave us that. You gave us the Holy Ghost, and you gave us, as the prophet said, we are now in the Laodicean age. We are pressurized for what's coming. We know we're astronauts. We don't live here. We have a whole different mindset, Lord. And I pray that you just break this word down to each one of us today. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, Lord. Bless each one that's not here that's sick. Lord, Sister Joyce and Brother Danny, different ones, Lord. <clears throat> I pray that you'd be with them, Father. <clears throat> Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk about today the Alpha Bride. So we're going to look at the Ephesian church, not the Ephesian church, the Ephesian bride. All right, because there is an Ephesian church. Everybody with me? We went through all these services about the difference in a church and a bride. All right, the bride is the bride of Jesus Christ. The church is everything else. All right, and they don't all go to heaven. Don't get silent. They don't all go to heaven, but all the bride does. So if you insert yourself over here, you're good. All right, Revelation 1 verse 10 says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega. You know those two words. Alpha is the first letter in the uh, Greek alphabet. Omega is the last, A and Z. The first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book and send it into the seven churches which are at 
in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and I, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair was white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were as flames of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his hand, right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in its strength. You may be seated. We, we covered those seven uh, uh, different um, attributes of God there in the uh, last couple of sermons. But we see that he was in the midst. He, he was in the midst, had two things in his hand. He had the church and he had the, 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 the messengers. All right, so he had everything there. He, listen, regardless of mankind and the devil, God's going to have a church, a bride. God's going to have a bride. Doesn't matter. You, you can sit here and you can fold your arms and you can go to sleep like Bob said. But you're not going to stop the program of God. Don't think your one little self is going to stop the program of God. No, you can hinder it, though, and then you, if you hinder it, you're going to be held responsible for it. Not God. You are. And we looked at the prism. So you got one God, one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not a Trinitarian doctrine, a triune revelation of God that he is all these things, but he's one person. All right, but we see the prism, and if you put that light through the prism, it runs seven different colors. Well, those seven different colors are the seven church ages, because the seven church ages is a complete and final revelation of Jesus Christ in His bride. That's what He decided, not us. All right, He decided He's going to showcase His best, and you're not going to stop it, and I'm not going to stop it. He will showcase his best. He has a masterpiece, and he will put her on display. Amen. He's put her on display in part from, from one church age to this one, but today in this church age, he is going to show the fullness because we're to be the fullness of the Godhead bodily in the end time in a bride. Everybody with me? We'll talk a little bit this afternoon about the Father's throne because it's, it's different than Jesus' throne. Well, those of you that know, said amen. Those of you that didn't, you'll know this afternoon if you'll come back. <clears throat> but there's a difference. Because he sat on he said, sit with me in my throne as I sat in my father's throne. So there's, it's not two or three different thrones and three or four different people. It's one person in a different manifestation. We know that, right? All right. So John 1, 14 is a promise. This word is going to be made flesh and dwelt among us. It is going to be your flesh and my flesh. All right. And this is a start of a new dispensation. This is something so new that what happened, and right at the transition between John the Baptist and then Jesus comes on the scene and then Jesus leaves and the disciples take the full word of God, the religious world hated him. Didn't love him, didn't, 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 not with open arms. No, no, no. They hated the true word of God. And we'll look later on, I mean, they cut Paul's head off. They killed every disciple except John. John was the only one. John the Revelator was the only one. He was, and Jesus said he's one that's going to write all these. He told him when he was still alive. But John was the young baby of the bunch, and in A.D. 90-something, he became the pastor of the Ephesian church. And we'll read that a little bit later on when we get into Ephesus because Ephesus was a religious center, like now, a religious center that a lot of people came to. Mary was there. 
John, James, different ones died in that city, and uh, John was a pastor of the church there. <clears throat> but this new dispensation was so new that Satan knew there was something coming, but he couldn't stop it. But he sure tried because he killed them all. He killed everybody. He killed, he killed Paul before his time. I mean, AD 50-something is when the church age started. AD 60-something is when they cut Paul's head off, right at the first of that age. But what happened was God knew that there'd be a group of people, group of people that would carry this message on to the coming of the Lord or to the end of that church age that they were in. But remember, God never raises that man back up. He's finished with him. I'm sorry. He's finished with him. Everybody. Moses didn't bring, bring, didn't bring Moses back up. Joshua took over. All right? Right? David, got too much blood on your hands, but I'm going to have a temple. Solomon's going to build this temple for me. So David laid away. And then the same thing, Paul. Paul laid away. Irenaeus, different ones. And even Brother Branham laid away. Laid away. So that the bride could mature to his message. The bride in the first age matured to Paul's message. They took Paul's message and become a mature church, like Ephesus and different ones, but we'll get to that. So Hebrews 10 says, look, by a new and living way. So it's going to be something new. So even the, if it was new then, Alpha, if it was new then, it's going to be new now because, remember, they had just come out of the manifestation of the Son of Man. He was on earth himself, literally speaking to the people. God in flesh. Well, he can't come back, though, in that flesh while we're here or you got two bodies. That's why you can't have two heads. That's why everything's got to be done correctly. But over here in the end time, what's the same thing? The Son of Man is to be revealed and not through one person, though, through a bride. But there had to be a spokesman come on the scene to tell us, you can make it. You're astronauts now. You're not the Wright brothers. If you were to raise the Wright brothers up now and say, hey, that's what, when y'all went to Kitty Hawk and you were like 200 feet off or 100 feet off the ground for 15 or 20 yards or, or however how many 100 yards it was and you landed, look what we're doing now. We're running 1,500 miles an hour, and we're going to space, and now we're coming back. Started with the Wright brothers. Started in the first church age. God's moving on, folks. God's moving on, whether we want him to or not. We've we got to get in the program. But I knew in living way, so it's got to be not just dead letter. It's got to be a new living way. We started on the day of Pentecost. That's where the Alpha Bride started was on the day of Pentecost. Is everybody with me? All right, <clears throat> but there had to be a new testament or a new covenant or a new will. The old one was do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. I haven't touched no girl. I haven't committed adultery. Jesus said, I say unto you, if you even look on her and lust after her, you've committed adultery. He didn't do away with the commandment. He magnified the commandment and said, hey, it's not the touching part. It's what you think in your mind. All right, everybody with me. So now we're looking at a New Testament. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This is the communion scripture. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The Old Testament was blood of bulls and goats. The Old Testament was lambs and doves and, and all that, but that, that soul, which an animal don't have a soul, but that spirit of that animal couldn't come into you, but Jesus Christ could. 
because he was the soul of God. And he could disperse himself in many ways just like he did on the day of Pentecost. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's why we take communion, to remember the Lord. All right? Hebrews 9.11 says, But Christ being a high priest of good things to come by a greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Because what was the Old Testament? Uh, and Caiaphas was in it. Jesus was in the Old Testament. Come on. Jesus was in the Old Testament. The New Testament don't start till the book of Acts. He just said it right here. This was when he was dying, going to the cross. And then, then at Penta, 50 days later, he came back on the day of Pentecost. All right? But he's telling you, he told them, they said, uh, well, I destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And, you know, Caiaphas and them, the, the, the legalists of the bunch, well, we were 40-something years building that temple. How in the world is he going to knock it down in three days? He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about this. He's talking about the temple of his body. He says, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once. To the holy place. He didn't have to go back every year. You don't have to go back every year Amen. to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Having obtained eternal redemption for me and you. That's body, spirit, and soul. Amen. All right? <clears throat> for if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of heifers sprinkled the unclean, if that was if that worked, we should stay under it. Under it. Amen? Amen. But it didn't work. Amen. It didn't work the way the New Testament wanted it to work. God didn't want us to just live like the devil for 364 days and then on the Day of Atonement, he goes and makes an atonement, one priest does, and then we go back out and live the way we want to. That's not what he wanted. He wanted us to live a sanctified life 24-7, the best we can. All right? I said the best we can because I don't preach sinless perfection. We all have flaws and we all have things that we have to work on. All right? Well, if you don't, pray for me. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit. See, there was no eternal spirit that could come into a believer in the Old Testament. All right? Only in the New Testament. Everybody with me? The eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He's asking a question. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Nobody in the Old Testament got an eternal inheritance. Oh, yeah, they're going to receive things. Amen. They're going to receive things. But they didn't have that eternal inheritance. You got your eternal inheritance right here today sent with you if you're born again. They which call might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, or a will, or a covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Like I said before, uh, you don't go to a will reading while, and the guy that wrote the will sitting in the room with you. Right? He's got to be passed on. He's got to have left you something. He left us something. He left us the will and the spirit to what? Yes. To live the will. Yes. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. In other words, Jesus stood there for three and a half years and preached the perfect. He was the perfect example. Nobody believed him. Nobody. There wasn't one person saved except the thief on the cross. There wasn't one person saved in his ministry time. They didn't understand him. But it wasn't for them. It was for us. Amen. Second Corinthians 3 says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of accommodation to you or letters of accommodation from you? 
You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared by the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, so it's got to be ministered by a person, Amen. written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. You know, they didn't have many scribes. They had scribes, but they didn't have many people that had tape recorders in Paul's day. They had to remember what Paul said and be awake. Well, look, that one guy, Paul preached a long guy died, right? He fell out of a, he fell, he fell out of a window, but Paul said, well, that's my fault. I'm going to go down there and pray for him, and he raised him from the dead, all right? So, okay, anyway, not going any further with that. Written not with ink, we'll pray for you if you fall out, okay? But with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fat fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust we have through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves or think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. I hope you have that on your refrigerator. Our sufficiency is of God, all right? Who also hath made us. Oh, he transferred something in the well. He made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Well, See, in just a few minutes, how that affected the first church age and even affected the first bride, all right? So now let's skip on through. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory, all right? In other words, we got grace and mercy. Hebrews 10, verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the thing, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comer thereunto perfect. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance. Every year, they had a day of atonement. They still do it. They don't have a temple, but they still, the Orthodox Jew, they know what the day of atonement is. And that's the day that everything gets forgiven. All right? And they're looking to build that temple so they can start doing that. So the Messiah can come. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, <coughs> but a body... Hast thou prepared me? In other words, a body, you, he prepared one for himself to live in, and then he left and come back on the day of Pentecost to get his body ready. Hallelujah. Called the bride. Amen. So a body thou hast prepared me. Let's continue on. Uh, remember Brother Bram says she is him. We, we understand that. <clears throat> Let's continue on. Now look, in the seven church ages, Brother Bram said, look, that's the Bible, 1954. He said, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one light, the Son of Man. What? One like him. Who was that? His bride. So do I need to say that anymore? I'm not going to read that scripture again or read that quote again. It's the bride standing there, bride form. It's the Son of Man standing there, but he's in bride form. All right? <coughs> one like him. Watch. Clothed with the garment down to the foot. The holiness of Jesus Christ covering her has washed us from our sins with his own blood. All right? Girded about the paps, not a man. A woman with a golden girdle. Look, I like what the Brother Brown said about the golden girdle. What does that girdle do? It comes around your waist, right? It's the gospel that held the power and glory of God over the body of Christ. Amen. The glory, held the glory of the bride of Jesus Christ. Brother Brown says in 1954, he says, we found the church standing there in its beauty. I'm just reviewing a little bit until I get started here. Christ just molded into it. 
The church had a white garment on, and you notice it was a woman around the breast. It had to cover her shame and was had a golden cord, though, pulled around like that and held around the breast. White speaking of the righteousness of Christ, and the golden girdle representing the gospel. The preaching of the gospel brings the Holy Spirit over the church. Amen. We're going to see in a minute where that got took away. Yeah. All right, by the Nicolaitan spirit. Oh, yeah. All right? <clears throat> and let me caution you. If there was a Nicolaitan spirit in the first church age, there's definitely one in the second, in the last church age, all right? Which holds something over the people. The righteousness of Christ holds it there tied with the string, the girdle string. All right, now here. Each age has had its message and its messenger, all right? Now, some of you got the thing in your hand or around there somewhere. This is church ages, which is, um, I think some of you got them. But uh, we'll take a look at them a little bit later. I'll pull it up on the screen. Each age had its message and messenger. All through the times, every age has packed this message with a messenger. Like I said before, Paul had an age, Irenaeus, Martin, Columba, Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, and now in our church age. All right? Because <clears throat> remember, the church ages started on the day of Pentecost. But Brother Branham takes the church ages to A.D. 50-something, it's when it began. We'll get into that in just a minute. Because you got to have, listen, whatever the pattern is here, you got to have over there. Whatever the pattern is, I'm sorry, whatever the pattern is here, had to have happened in the first church age. All right? God in every dispensation sent forth someone anointed with the Holy Spirit to bring forth his message for that age every time. Now we start back, but that was the message. God was the first messenger. He told Adam and Eve, eat that, don't eat that. That was the message. And when man stepped across the message of the hour, it brought death and chaos to the whole human race. Yeah. Now, that's how much that message means. Yeah. Right. Only one messenger for each age receives what the Spirit has to say to that age, and that one messenger is the messenger to the look, the true church, which would be the bride. He speaks for God by revelation to the churches, both true and false. The message is then broadcast to all. But though it is broadcast for all who come within range of the message, that message is received individually by only a certain qualified group of people in a certain way. That's why Brother Bramley said, they said, what is the Holy Ghost? He said, accepting the message of the hour for your day. Accepting it. You turn it down, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Those who hear are not getting their own private revelation, nor is a group getting their collective revelation, but each person is hearing and receiving what the messenger has already received from God. So we believe God sent a prophet, right? Well, we listen to what he said, because it was God speaking to us through that prophet, and then we take and we break it down further so that the people can understand. That's why you need a five-fold ministry, not just listen to tapes. You can't just listen to tapes and get perfected. You can't. You might come to the message and believe God sent a prophet and be baptized and all these different things, but unless that word comes alive in your heart and we begin to show it, begin to live it, like Brother Bob said, you can't show it at home. Some tried. Some tried to sit at home. And we got some that, that sit at home here and listen, 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 when we're preaching here, you, we're preaching to a lot of people besides what's sitting in this building today. All right? And uh, then... Um, archive sermons are, are, are listened all around the world. So it's not just us that we're talking to. God's not just talking to us here. He's talking to 
uh, worldwide. Uh, this church affects a lot of people. It, it does. It affects a lot of people. A lot of foreign brothers in different ways. It, it affects anything goes on here. It affects the it affects the other churches. But praise God, that's okay. Now watch. Look what happened. A seal is open. What is that? Now he's in the first seal. Now watch what he's. And I'll break this down a little bit later on and put it on that chart. A mystery is unfolding. Now here you got the day of Pentecost, and we'll talk about it in just a minute. You got the day of Pentecost. Paul wasn't there. All right, is everybody listening? Paul was not the 120 in the upper room. That's when the Alpha Bride began, though, was on the day of Pentecost. But Paul wasn't there. Peter was the spokesman because Paul didn't have the key. Peter had the key. Paul was out there persecuting them that got born again. But he got a conversion. Could you, bring, could you imagine bringing your arch enemy into your room? And saying, oh, we got to listen to him now. And Ananias is like, Lord, you sure? That, that's all. He's killed a bunch of my friends. He's causing blaspheme. He put them in prison. He said, oh, I got to work for him. Don't worry. I, listen, my ways are not your ways. My ways are way above yours. Paul's going to be my messenger. Peter had the key to unlock the door. But Peter says, and we'll read it this afternoon, where Peter says that Paul says things are to be understood. So Paul, Peter didn't have the same revelation Paul did. I didn't say it was different. He didn't have the same because you got different levels of revelation. <clears throat> so watch. When a mystery unfolds, a trumpet sounds. Paul steps on the scene, announces his message. It declares a war. What, that war is what killed him. That's war, that war is what killed Jesus. That war is what killed all the church age back in that first church age, the martyrs. They didn't, weren't martyred because they didn't like them, and they weren't martyred because of their ethnicity. They were murdered because of their different view of the present-day gospel. Amen? Now, if that happened in the first age, it's got to happen here too, but they don't have Brother Rams. He, he magnifies it. He says, oh, they don't have to kill you personally. He said, they just kill your influence. The angel of the church catches the mystery of God. So Paul caught the mystery of God, not fully yet revealed, but when he does, he catches this mystery of God, and he goes forth and what? He preaches to the people, and they listen. After the mystery has been given to him, goes forth to the people. What does he do out there? He begins to proclaim the message, and what does it start? It starts a spiritual war, all right? And when God takes his messenger with the elect of that age and lays him away, like I just said, when he's finished with the messenger, he's done with him. You say that sounds rough. That's the way God said he was going to do it from the beginning to the end. When he's finished, he's finished. All right? He don't raise them back up. And then God takes his messenger with the elect of that age and lays them away asleep. Then he drops a plague upon them that reject it. Problem is now you reject this message and you're going to go into a real plague, like called a tribulation period. <clears throat> he drops a plague upon them who rejected a temporary judgment. That's why we see all the flames of fire, foot of brass, and all the different things. God in judgment. The bride is going to judge every church age. Every, every bride member in their age will judge the people of that age. All right? They denominated, bring in denomination and started off that man's work like Wesley and all the rest of them, then it gets into a scrapple again, and then another mystery comes forth, and what happens? Another messenger arrives on earth for a church age. Like I was saying last week, 
You got Paul, he preaches, he preaches, he, there's a lot of people come into the message. Then as you get along and further, just like you and I, sight and time is what our worst enemy. We start falling away from our first love, and then God sends Irenaeus and says, hey, here's a message I want you to give this group of people, and it raises back up. The problem now is there's no way. The only thing, if you go down, you go into tribulation. There is no other messenger to bring you back up. All right? There has to be an alpha, and there has to be an omega. And when he arrives, the trumpet sounds. What? A message. Declares a war. But then what happens? Finally, he's called away. Then when he's laid away, then plagues fall, destroys them. Look, spiritual death hits the church. And she's gone, that group. Then he goes on to another one. Our Revelations 1 verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega. He said this four times in, the, in Revelation. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, showing his deity. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. Now remember, the Alpha church was Ephesus. The Omega church is Laodicea, the one you're sitting in right now. And it is the beginning and ending of the Gentile bride dispensation. Are right, everybody with me? Because when the last Gentile is saved, the door is closed, God will never save another Gentile. Until the white throne judgment, he may give him eternal life. That's okay. But he turns directly to the Jews. God doesn't ever go backwards. He always goes forward. I'm going to get to the Jews. I'm going to get 144,000. I'm going to bring them in, and then I'm going to bring my bride back to the earth in the millennium with 144,000. He just keeps moving. You know what he does, though? He takes me and you with it if we don't stop. Amen. <clears throat> He was both Alpha and Omega, of course. All that was in between the two, all the other letters. But he specifically said Alpha and Omega. What Brother Brown is saying is, now he wasn't the Holy Ghost in the first age and the Holy Ghost in the seventh age and nothing in between. He was the Holy Ghost in every church age. But there was a gift given different for the Alpha because that was the beginning. That's the way he wanted his church started. And the Omega is the way he wants the church to end. <coughs> and they've got to be together. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. I've been <clears throat> dealing with some uh, sinus drainage. But he specifically said Alpha and Omega. He had a rainbow over his head, which was his covenant. Now, if you notice, the light of Pentecost, where it started, gradually smothered out. All right? These men, Irenaeus, Polycarp, and all the rest of them, sealed their testimony with their blood until it finally squeezed Christianity into the dark days or the dark ages or that middle age, that 1500 age that the Catholic Church ruled the world. Now, look, the first age, the other side of that great hump coming over. Now, I had what? The middle. Then the next one was what? Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, Laodicea, called lukewarm. All right? In the Sardesian church age, Christ's Holy Spirit still holding here, on down here, until the end of the world. The same Holy Spirit that filled Paul with the Holy Ghost and the things that he done will fill this one, Irenaeus, full of the Holy Ghost, fill Martin full of the Holy Ghost, and the rest of them full of the Holy Ghost. And it filled you and I full of the Holy Ghost. And it's a Pentecostal blessing from one church age to the other. Now, the problem with people in, Pente in, in the message, there's two factions. One said we need to stay in Pentecost and, and, and accept the message and still have our, you know, our shouting good time. And then there's a group over here that says God left that and, you know, we just got the message and that's it. Well, what happens is, is you got to bring it right in between. You got to bring it right in the middle, all right? 
We as a church should have the Pentecostal blessing. I wish somebody would shout. I wish somebody would speak in tongues. I wish somebody would run the aisles. But that, not every service. Not every service. I like what Brother Donnie Reagan said. He said, look, when you're at home, that's home church. He said, special meetings are special. Run, shout, speak in tongues. Because you're happy. You're going to a meeting. You're, you're meeting your fellow members. And you, you, but he said at home, he does the same thing here at his church. And he says, hey, well, you know, wake up a little bit here. So look, <clears throat> his hands forms a cross. And, and here's Jesus standing in the church age and said, I am Alpha and Omega. In other words, I'll be the supreme in the first and I'll be the supreme in the last. All right. Now, what did he do in the first chapter of Revelations? He revealed his supreme deity to the first church, Ephesus. Now, in the, in the church of Ephesus, they didn't have a Trinitarian doctrine. They started one. They didn't. The, the bride didn't. Now, over here, same thing. You got Trinitarianism. The whole world's covered by Trinitarianism. And Brother Brown said that seed that was planted by Satan in the first church age has grown into a tree over here in this age. And then he said, I read this to you several, several, several services ago, that those two vines are intertwined. And without the Holy Ghost, you won't be able to tell one vine from the other. Deceive the very elect if it were possible. So, so close, not so far away. Every one of these churches come down through here. He revealed himself in deity. Now watch his wording. He revealed himself in deity only in his glorified form. Because remember, Columbus was a Trinitarian. Luther was a Trinitarian. Wesley was a Trinitarian. And the first part of Pentecost was Trinitarian. Now that didn't come from the mind of God. But he winked at their ignorance and gave them something else. Gave Luther the just shall live by faith. Gave Wesley living a sanctified life. But for me and you to be the two bookends, we've got to. That's why that, that Brother Brown said this messenger of Malachi, do, Malachi 4 do two things. What return us back to what they preached in the first church age. All right? And then bring the seals to change our body. They didn't have that to change their body down here. They had the word of God. They didn't have a denomination. Well, they did, but they didn't have one on every corner like we do. And a lot of times in our congregation. Every one of these churches coming down through here, he revealed himself in deity only in his glorified form. But on this last one, he becomes Z back to the original beginning again. See, the first and the last. The first age, now the last age, for he said, I am the first and the last masterpiece. The first ministry and the last ministry is the same. The first message and the se or last message is the same thing. As I was in Alpha, I'm in Omega. There'll be a day that won't be called day or night, but in the evening time, what the sun, the sun what? Comes up in the east and sets in the west. We're a western country. Hello? For those that are geographically challenged, that's why they call it the Middle East. Because it's over there. And then what is opposite from east? Somebody help me. Thank you. West. Okay. But there'll be a day that won't be called day or night, but in the evening time. Right now, today, you're in the evening light of the message of the hour. You're in the evening light of the ending of the Gentile dispensation. See, Alpha and Omega, but it becomes the first and last. 
said we could stay for hours. Now, remember the vision Brother Brown had. He, he had a, the bride came into view. Then all of a sudden, they went off praising God and dressed right and all that. Then here come the American church that was naked, twisting, turning, shaking, and all that different stuff. And he was having a hard time looking at it. And he, he turned to the, to the angel and said, is this what I produced? And the angel said, hold on a minute. The bride will come into view again. Well, that was the alpha bride that went by. And the omega bride was the last one that come by. Sure, she got out of step a little bit, but she was dressed right. And Brother Brown is the one that hollered and said, get back in line. Well, I'm telling us, get back in line. But the bride come into view twice. So that's the reason she was in view, reviewed the second time. She was reviewed the first time, then she was reviewed the second time. She was perfectly the second like she was in the first. All right? <clears throat> the only thing we can glory in is that God started that church right, and if we'll get in that church, we'll be started right. And we'll actually end right. All right? But the bride came back because she was Alpha and Omega, God the great sculptor, and made him a masterpiece for it was a piece of his first masterpiece, like he did in the Garden of Eden and took a piece from and made another piece, Adam and made Eve, and was, that was marred and fell. Now he's been all this time building it back again, and he brought forth this masterpiece, was smitten in order that part of it was smitten in order to bring back again that masterpiece. What was he saying? Masterpiece, first church age, smitten during the ages, false doctrine, death, Huh? Come on. Then he's come over here to get his masterpiece again. He had to come through all that to get the masterpiece again. All right? Everybody with me? So the masterpiece and the son of God, the masterpiece and the bride, it's a piece of him, which must be the fulfilling of the word of God. Revelations 2 verse 1. So let's look at this. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? Now, we looked at that and saw the, how Ephesus and Laodicea says of, not in. All right. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars. Now, this is, this is what the first age come under. And his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. Now, remember, this is the first age, but it's also connected to us. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. False doctrine. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. What brother Brown say? Give the word test. And hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. All of a sudden, here we are in, from A.D. 30, which is the day of Pentecost, to A.D. 50-something, they already had people intertwined in their sermon or in their congregation that was going, well, Jesus wasn't really God. Serentius was one, uh, close in Irenaeus, but, but I, he was a light substance. He couldn't have been God because he had all this. These, that's how it got started. We'll talk about it in just a second. It starts as a saying to a deed, to a doctrine, right? <clears throat> nevertheless, because thou hast left at first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Now, look, remember where you came from. Remember the day of Pentecost. Remember your day of Pentecost. The day you received the Holy Ghost is your day of Pentecost. God filled you with the Holy Ghost. If you could have seen a tongue of fire, it would have been a tongue of fire over your head, and it fell right down in your soul, burnt you out, made you a new creature in Christ. That ought to make you happy. That ought to make the ball game people shout. Remember, 
Was that AI? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I didn't think there ever was an old guy sitting in a ball game doing like that. <laughs> remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. Now, remember, how are you reminded? Paul writes letters to Corinthians, Ephesians, Timothy, Corinthians, second time, all these different. He's reminding them of the message of the hour. That's why we stand in the pulpit and remind you of the message of the hour. We don't say something different from Brother Branham. We remind you of what he's already said. All right? But now look, if you don't repent, if you don't continue on with me, he said, I am going to remove your candlestick. In other words, you are going to quench the Holy Ghost right out of your service. I will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. Now, he goes on and continues, but this thou hast. There was one thing that first age had that God loved. That thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So God can't change his mind. If he hated it in the first age, he's going to hate it in this age. Everybody with me? He hates it. He doesn't he, he don't even want to tolerate it. In his bride church. Now, what is the deeds of the Nicolaitans? A deed is an undertaking, an act, something you do. All right? And this is kind of strange because I want you to see how Satan is. He's not far from the truth. Even with a Nicolaitan attitude, there was actually a man named Nicholas. And look in your Bible. It's in the book of Acts. I didn't know it. He's one of seven men that was given the Holy Ghost to lead the church with. They took and misconstrued Nicholas's doctrine, and look what happened. Because Nicolaitan, Nico, actually means victory or conquer, and that's where you get the word Nike from. That's why you wear your shoes. It says Nike. It's got the Nike thing on it because it's victory. That hurt because it's victory. <clears throat> but anyway, it means, that's what Nike means, Nico. Victory or conquer, victory over. Laetan means members are laity. In other words, the congregation. Now watch. Nicolaitanism means followers of Nicholas. So they started following the right sect. Everybody with me? This sound familiar? They started following the person of the hour. All right? Or one of them. Named Nicholas. He's in the Bible. All right? Whose deeds were strongly condemned. They may have been identical with those who held the doctrine of Balaam. They seem to have held it that was it was lawful to eat things sacrificed to idols, commit fornication, in opposition to the decree of the church rendered in Acts 15, verse 20. The teachers of the church branded them with a name which expressed their true character. The men who did and taught such things were followers of Balaam. Let me stop right here real quick. Brother Ram tells us about old Balaam. Remember, Balaam was a prophet of God. God spoke to Balaam. Balaam was a prophet. So, they, so the, whoever that is got Balaam and said, Hey, I want you, we, we know you hear from God. We know you hear from God. We want you to curse them people over there called Israelites. We hate them. They're just a thorn in our flesh. I want you to curse them. What did Balaam say? He said, I can only say what God says. And God couldn't condemn them because that was his kids. 
So what did the guy say? He says, uh, Balaam, uh, whatever you do, uh, here's your little bit of payment here. If you'll just hang around a little bit, and no, you're not you. If you'll just hang around a little bit, we'll get you some more of this. That's why Brother Brown called Balaam a hireling prophet. All right? We, I've seen it before. You can't have a hireling prophet in the message of the hour. Yo, you can have one. Yeah, but it ain't right. Because Balaam said, I can only say what God said. But I got some smarts about me. Since I'm getting paid, I got to do my job. I can get them to mingle with each other. And remember, that was it. That was the downfall. That's called a hireling prophet or the doctrine of Balaam. All right? And Balaam was a hired, pro- hired prophet. He was a prophet, but he was hired to do a job. That's why um, through this whole thing, I want you all to understand something. A hireling is somebody gets paid, and if they don't do their job, they don't get paid. Right? Okay. Just want you to realize that. That's why a pastor should, is never going to have somebody tell him how much you can make. That's, that's not the way it is. You can't insert yourself above from God to the pastor. Pastor's complete control, supreme control. Either that or you're a hireling. Well, you can say this, but don't say that, or we'll, re- we'll withdraw money from you. Remember, Brother Dale said that's what they did in, in uh, the church that we used to go to. If they didn't like the preacher what he preached, they just withdrew his, his pay. Told him, said, if you don't preach this, we're going to hold your pay. Or if you're going to go do that in the pulpit, we're going to withhold your pay. Now, folks, that's Balaam's spirit. That's a denominational spirit. And that's a Nicolaitan spirit, which God hates. Amen. Everybody with me? I'm in the Bible. I'm not emotional. I'm just in the Bible. This, the Bible tells us what to do. Because, look, they persuaded men more than ever that it was a thing indifferent. They got up and said, hey, don't worry about it. You know, ain't got to do it. You ain't got to go to church. Just press play. Mingling themselves. Look. This was bad enough, but there was yet a worse evil. Mingling themselves with the orgies of idolatrous feasts, they brought the impurities of those feasts into the meetings of the Christian church. And all this was done, it must be remembered, not simply as an indulgence of appetite, but as part of a system supported by a doctrine accompanied by the boast of prophetic illumination. Wow. To hate these deeds, though, is a sign of life in a church. See, that's why a church, you have got to understand one thing. There is no person in this church has a boat different than yours. Nobody. Brother Brown says, I even have one, only have one boat, and I only vote if there's a tie. So the pastor doesn't even vote. But you have one boat. No person has three boats and you got one. You all got one boat. If you're a tithe-paying member of the church, you get one boat. But if you want to keep the diesel and Nicolaitans around and be suppressed, then go right ahead. I saw a church up in Pennsylvania. Bless her heart. You've been there before, Brother Jim Shumate's church, where there was a deacon that run the place. I mean, he run the place. And I knew that because I went up there and they asked me to consider being a pastor. This has been 20 years ago. Brother Jim was a little bit younger then. Brother Michael met Brother Jim Shumate. So Brother Jim Shumate was trying to fight, was trying to fight a pastor. The pastor died. And this one deacon, he had come into a large sum of money, and he ran the church. 
Well, it's the truth. I'll tell you how he done, though. He conquered the laity so bad till nobody moved without him saying anything. And they went years without a pastor. Finally got a couple up there, and then at the very end toward the boat, one of the brothers said, well, hey, I need to see the, I need to see the church books. And, I, you know, this, and, and the brother said, no, no, uh, uh, I'm going to pay you this, and this is what it's going to be, and you're going to be. Well, the guy said, no, you ain't going to get nobody in this message to do that. I'll promise you that. But six months later, after that pastor left, I mean, that, they were going to put him in, vote him in, or vote him out, whatever, vote him in. Brother David fell over dead with a heart attack. Six months later, and then Brother Jim Shoemate took over as the pastor of the church. God's going to have his way. And he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He hates for us to be suppressed, all of us. We need to have freedom to worship any way we want to. We need to have freedom to say, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you. And mean it. But to hate those deeds is a sign of life in a church. To hate them. But... If you tolerate them, to tolerate them is well not to forfeit the glory of having been faithfully under persecution. To tolerate them, you're going to die. To hate them, you have life. God's going to have a church. Run right. Because listen, he had it run right in the first church age. And Brother Branham was over here in the last church age, and he says, all right, this is the way it's supposed to be. You read Condator and Doctrine, that's exactly the way the church was run at first. It's the way it should be run now. Right. All right? He didn't deviate from that. Brother Branham didn't add. He said, this is what they did in the first church, so this is what we're going to do here. He that hath the near, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to either the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So now, the Alpha Church is born. Now, the Alpha Church is not born... With Paul around. This is important. Because as a messenger in the church ages, I believe it was Columba, died before the church age even started. But his message, listen, God wants the message to go forth. Get away from a man. You put a man up here, God's going to take him out of the way. You put God up here through a man, then you'll, you'll be successful. The Alpha Church is born. Acts 1 verse 7, he said unto them, and it's not for you to know. This is Jesus now. He's, fixed, he's going to tell the church where to start at. Thank God. Jesus is the one doing this. It's not for you to know the times or seasons. Because what, look, they're, they're, they've come up to here, Sister Regina. They've come up to here, and they're all around him, and they said, he said, I'm, I've got to go away. I, I, you know, in other words, John 17, he said, I, I'm going to get out of here, uh, destroy this temple, I'm going to raise it up. I, I've been resurrected now for 50 days. Y'all know I've been walking around in a glorified body for 50 days, and they're going, you going to stay here and restore the kingdom? And, he, and he's like, have I not taught you anything? No, he was long-suffering. And this is what he said. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power, transfer of power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we're living by that right now. 
Because whatever that first church started living by, we got to live by it or we're not the church in the end time. All right? And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfast toward heaven. Now remember, whatever happens in the first church age, it's got to happen in the last church age. Christ left in a cloud. In the last church age, he came back in a cloud. All right? Because look, this is the prophecy. And while they looked steadfast toward heaven, two men stood by them in white apparel. Well, two angels stepped into the dimension. Stood there and told them, said, which also said, you men of Galilee, why are you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And we believe that the Lord came on, in 1963. Now, not his, whole, not his body, but the doctrine. The doctrine of the seals that put everything back together. It put everything the way it was supposed to be. Christ came down in, in Revelation 10:7 and put everything together. Luke 24, verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So the beginning of the, of the, now listen, hold on a minute. Let me interject something here. They come in under a Pentecostal age. The Ephesian church age didn't start to AD 50 something. That's not a church age that's got a circle. But if you look on your chart right there to first, it's not written in there yet. But they're going to write that in there. You're going to write Pentecost. Because if the first age, listen, they got to be mirror. If the first age chart started with Pentecost, the last age started with 1906 Azusa Street Pentecost to open up the age. The Alpha and the Omega has got to be the same. But remember, they didn't, they didn't stay in that. They continued on and they picked up Paul. You know what I'm talking about? They were preaching for 20-something years before Paul came. Well, actually, they were preaching and Paul was killing them for that 20-something years. He was, he was uh, the thorn in their flesh. <clears throat> but now look, and what repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now remember, there was a lot of Jews in that 120 in the upper room. But remember, when they went downstairs, and we'll get to it, not this afternoon, but later on, the day of Pentecost is a day of feasting. People gather in. That's why there was, when, when Peter goes out and he speaks and tells the people, all of them are looking at each other and there's about, um, there's probably two verses of nothing but Scythians and, and Galileans and it names all the people. Why? They were gathered at Pentecost. Wasn't just a Jewish feast. Huh? When you have a, when you have a, I ain't gonna say it. When you have a feast around here, more people come. So anyway, while they were having their Pentecostal feast, there were people that come. But, but listen, God had to do that because he wanted to take that to the Gentiles. All those were Gentiles. Peter goes outside. He preaches a sermon. And they say, what? Oh, we're pricking our heart. We never heard this before. Well, what do we need to do? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the mission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And 3,000 people were saved in one day. Boy, what a baptismal service. 3,000 in one day. And it was not Jews. It was all Gentiles. 
And you're a witness of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, this is what we'll get to this afternoon. Behold, I'll send the promise of my Father upon you. Because remember, Peter said my promise, his promise, is to be the son of David in the millennium to rule the 12 tribes of Israel. He knew what he was saying. Because listen, David's throne is in the millennium. He sat on his daddy's throne or the father's throne by the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the church ages. That's why he's saying right here. I'll prove it to you. I'll read you the quotes. Brother Dale preached it a long time ago about the father's throne. He preached several sermons on that. And you are a witness of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, Acts 2, verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. What does Pentecost mean? Penta means what? Five. Fifty. All right. So it's fifty. <clears throat> was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Here we go. I did put it in here. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Why? They come from all over the world. Amen. Listen, folks. What happened when man got together at Babel. Man got together to build their kingdom, perfect kingdom. What did God do? He confounded their language. Come over here on the day of Pentecost. God's fixing to set his kingdom up. Oh, come on, somebody. God set his kingdom up, and they all, they heard him in their own language. That's what's going to be when we get in the millennium, when we get over in the future home. We're not going to need Brother Eric and, and Brother Luis to, to, you know, tell us what he said. No, I'll hear it in English. And when I speak to him, he'll hear it in Spanish. Praise God. That's my God. But they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. So there was, there was hundreds of people, thousands and every one of them, they did not need an interpreter. Peter was saying one, one, he preached one sermon, and they all heard him in a different language. That's speaking in tongues to me. That is speaking in tongues. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? No, they were Jews. And how we hear every man in our own language wherein we were born. Oh, here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia. This is not Jews. Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak. Boy, what a, what a sermon. Because what would have happened if Paul, if Peter would have had to stood out there and said it in every one of these languages? Or like Brother Brown said, he would go overseas and he'd be in, he'd be in uh, Africa and he'd say, God bless you. And then it'd be 14 different people would have to say, God bless you in, in, their, in the, the language. But God made sure he got this message right through Peter and just changed their hearing. He that hath a ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the church. Amen. Yeah. So this church was what? Born 
by the breath of God. We already covered this. Oh, did you get it? The church of God is born of the breath of God. God breathed breath into the nostrils spiritually of Adam. And he became a living soul. Did you know the Pentecostals are, look, he said the true Pentecostal church is born of the breath of God. So guess what? In the end time, Brother Brown had to preach and tell us that we were born by the breath of God. All right? Not by a man. Pentecost, meaning the 50th day or harvest feast or feast of weeks, may be regarded as a supplement to the Passover. It lasted for about one day. From the 16th of Nisan, seven weeks were reckoned inclusively, and the next or 50th day was the day of Pentecost. To make all that clear, there was a, there was a jubilee every seven years, right? According to Leviticus 25.8. But when you come to that seven sevens, when you come seven cycles of that seven-year period, you had, a day, you had a day that everything, that was your golden jubilee. All right? Or the day of Pentecost. It lasted for a day. It was the 50th day was the day of Pentecost, which fell on the 6th of 7. It tells you when it is. The Pentecost was the Jewish harvest home, and the people were especially exhorted to rejoice before Jehovah with their families, their servants, the Levites. So it was a big celebration. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to just... Plot my 120 and out here in the woods somewhere, and y'all going to receive the Holy Ghost. He showed it to the whole world without CNN and Fox. Let me put them on both ends. But he had everybody there in position. And what those that got the Holy Ghost, what they do? They went back home. They took the Holy Ghost back home with them. Let's try that sometime. Take the Holy Ghost back home with them, and then they noised it abroad. And people received the Holy Ghost after that. God's word will never fail. God will never be stopped. Acts 2, verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up. It's just Peter. Whereof all we are witnesses. And we'll stop right here. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted. Now, look. I'll, I'll show you this this afternoon. Being on the right hand of God which is his father's throne or power, but he is in a corporal body and he has to stay in this dimension because you're his body. So he stays over here, but what does he do? He doesn't just sit there and sleep. He sends the Holy Ghost back on the day of Pentecost, same person in a different dispensation. He sends them and gives them the power. Having received of the father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see in here. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstools. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, Boy, Peter's preaching a powerful 20-minute sermon, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Amen. Then Peter said unto them, Repent! We forget that part. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Thank God he said that because that's us. And with many other words did he testify in his exhort, saying, Save yourself from this wicked or untoward Generation. Then they received and baptized. Same day they were added, three thousand souls. People were baptized. Three thousand people were baptized, and they continued steadfast. Look, first church, foundation, first church. They continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Didn't say Jesus' doctrine. 
because they were Christians and they preached what Christ said. So they didn't differentiate. They didn't say, oh, they said, no, this is the apostles' doctrine, but it's what Jesus said. And fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. Now, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he was given the keys to the kingdom. We find that he opened it to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Went down to Samaritan and opened up again. So they, they sent up for him, who, Peter. They had the keys, and he laid his hand upon them. The Holy Ghost came upon them. <clears throat> now, we Gentiles, we were heathens, Romans, Greeks, and so forth. We worshiped idols. We weren't looking for a Messiah. We had no time for a Messiah. We had our own gods, our forefathers. But the Jews were looking for a Messiah. So when the Samaritans, because they were half Jew, so was the Samaritans, because they were half Jew and Gentile. We'll stop right here. Now, Jesus will appear to those who are looking for him. Jesus will appear. How profound is that quote? Jesus will appear to those who are looking for him. Only those, that's all. He is not obligated to the unbeliever. But to the believer, he is obligated. He is obligated to raise the believer up, see, in the last day, only the believer. Let's stand to our feet. Only obligated to a believer. He is not obligated. Oh, he's a good God. Somebody was preaching the other day. And uh, <clears throat> we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. Mighty conquer all these great things. Oh, Jesus, you know, he's, he's just a meek, mild guy. He's comforting. And that's what he's going to make you. Jesus tells us, he said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. He said, husband will be against wife. Wife will be against husband. Mother-in-law against. He knew that as the church age messengers that he was going to be in, he knew that once he sounded his message, there would be a war. And listen, when you have a war, what do you got to do first? First thing you got to do, pick a side. Because <laughs> there's two sides. That's why they're warring. You got to pick a side today. You got to. You can't be neutral. You got to pick one or the other. You might in another army, you might be one of them secret centers or something, but no, you got to pick a side. God's army or the devil's army, one of the two. And that's what he did on the day of Pentecost. And that's what God said. He said, I come to bring a sword. I am the Prince of Peace. He'll put peace in your heart, but he'll also turn people against you. He knew that. That's why he said what he did. And what about this before we close? This great Prince of Peace, this mild-mannered man from Galilee, he was sitting eating one day, and there was a Syrophoenician woman sitting over here, a little away from him because she wasn't a Jew. She said, Oh, son of David, have mercy. My, my daughter needs. He said, you're a dog. Yeah. Only thing he did was knew that she wasn't a Jew. That's all. Come on. Brother Bob's message was cutting today. Mine was maybe a little bit. But Jesus looked at her and said, you are a dog. Jesus said this to the lady. Now, the lady could have said, like some other people, bless God, I ain't going back to that church no more. That man called me a dog. Right. No, you know what she said? She said, oh, I just need the scraps. 
off of your table. There's something different about you, sir. I may not be a Jew. But when he said, she said, my Lord, it connected. She got what she asked for. She didn't care whether he called him a dog or called her a dog or not. He looked at those people and, and, and even called Peter the devil. Satan, get behind me. He wasn't looking over Peter. He was looking right at him. He went to the temple and he talked to some preachers. Had a, had a minister's meeting. <laughs> had a minister's meeting. And at the minister's meeting, he said, you snakes in the grass, you vipers, you're a son of the devil. And that what he said? Now he's, oh, no, he didn't say that. Well, he said, I'm of my father and you of yours. They weren't the same, so it had to be the devil or God. He called him devil. said, you're, you're come straight from the devil. Your daddy's Satan. Of course, they killed him. But that Syrophoenician woman said, just as we should say, Lord, whatever it is, just give us a scrap. I'm not worthy. I'm not, not worthy to do this because of all the stuff I got piled up. And he may have called us a dog at one time. But he gave her what she needed. She got what she needed because she stayed there. She didn't get all huffy up and bless God, I ain't going back to that church no more. Brother Bob, tell me I can't sleep in church. Anyway. <clears throat> Listen, it's our desire. It really is. It's your desire. It's what's going to take us out of here is the desire that we have for God or for the world. But think on these things. God bless you. Let's sing a song.
know who Jesus really is. The world thinks he's the second person. The world thinks he was just a good prophet. The world, th the world thinks all these different things. He's second person of the Trinity. We know who he is. And when we call his name, we know that person that we call. We don't have to go through. We know who he is. They knew who he was in the first days. That's why they got results when they prayed for people. That's why we get results when we pray for people. We know how to call on the name of God, which is Jesus Christ, not a second person of a trinity. God's not a name. Father's not a name. Jesus Christ is a name. Oh, touching Jesus is all that really matters. Sing it to me, 